Welcome to the ERMI Podcast. This is Joel Applebaum, Chief Content Officer here at ERMI. In this episode, we bring you a snap talk from our 2021 Emmett J. Vaughn Agricon titled Reinsurance 101 by Larry Schiffer, Attorney, Counselor, Consultant, and Mediator for Schiffer Law and Consulting. ERMI is an industry leader in educating and informing insurance risk management professionals like you. We now offer an exciting new must-have resource for successful agribusiness risk management and insurance professionals. It provides an unbiased analysis of agribusiness exposures and best practices for agricultural risk management and insurance programs. You can learn more or get a free demo of the product at ermi.com. Reinsurance, with all its special terminology, can be a complex and confusing topic for many. Yet it's a critical part of our daily lives and not just for dedicated insurance industry professionals. Reinsurance affects everyone. Anyone who's ever had an insurance policy of their own, whether or not they realize is impacted by reinsurance. After Larry's snap talk, you will be more informed on the concept and workings of reinsurance. Be ready to come away from this 20-minute discussion with a better understanding of the two basic forms of reinsurance, treaty and facultative. Hi, I'm Larry Schiffer. I've been practicing reinsurance law since the mid-1980s at boutique and global law firms in New York City. Today, I operate my own independent legal and consulting practice in New York called Schiffer Law and Consulting, PLLC. I'm the author of ERMI.com's Expert Commentaries on Reinsurance and an author and the editor of ERMI's 50-plus reinsurance cases every practitioner should know. Today, we're going to talk about reinsurance, an area that many people consider mysterious and difficult to understand. In fact, one court described reinsurance as a bookie laying off a bet. But that's not really what it is. What reinsurance is, is an extension of the concept of insurance, which of course is spreading the risk of loss among the public. So for example, say you have a factory. You have lots of risks at the factory. The factory can burn down, someone could get hurt, your product could hurt somebody, employees might have a problem with how they're treated, cybersecurity risks. So what you do as a factory owner is you go out to the market and you buy insurance, different types of insurance. Now those insurance companies, when they sell your factory that insurance, they're selling similar insurance to hundreds if not thousands of other policyholders. So they're accumulating all these risks together in that one insurance company. So what does that insurance company do? That insurance company considers the risks it accumulated and decides what of those risks it would like to share with other insurance companies. And those other insurance companies are called reinsurance companies. And reinsurance companies often share their risks with other reinsurance companies. And those other reinsurance companies are called retrocessionaires. So you could have the spreading of risk from the individual factory owner to the insurance company, to reinsurers, and to retrocessionaires all across the world. 
So that's spreading the risk of loss, which allows everybody to have a premium that they could afford. Now, in the reinsurance world, there are two basic forms of reinsurance. There's treaty reinsurance, and then there's facultative reinsurance. Treaty reinsurance is a broad portfolio of reinsurance covering an insurance company's policies. So, for example, all insurance written by the company for property business in the United States. That's hundreds, if not thousands, of different policies. Those would attach to a treaty, and the reinsurance underwriter essentially is underwriting the insurance company and the insurance company's underwriters and claims departments because the reinsurance underwriter doesn't know the specific risks that are going to be written, only the broad category of the types of risks that are going to be written. Treaty reinsurance can be written in various possibilities. It could be written on a proportional basis, on what we call an excess of loss basis, like excess insurance. It could be written on a catastrophe basis. Uh, there are myriad examples of how treaties can work. The other type that I mentioned is called facultative reinsurance, and facultative reinsurance is essentially individual risk underwriting. So, for example, if an insurance company writes a $20 million property policy on the Empire State Building, that insurance company may go to the facultative reinsurance market and obtain facultative reinsurance for $10 million of that $20 million, thereby splitting its risk with the reinsurance company. Now, both treaty reinsurance and facultative reinsurance could be written or obtained for a wide variety of reasons. Insurance companies, which we call cedents or seeding companies or reinsureds, may want reinsurance for lots of reasons. They may want reinsurance because they want to spread their risk of loss, as we've been discussing, or they may want reinsurance because they want to enter into different lines of business or enter into business in different geographic regions where they might not have the license, or they may need capital and need a capital infusion from a capital supplier because reinsurance at the end of the day is a reinsurance company supplying capital to a seating insurer. Now, when we talk about reinsurance, besides treaty reinsurance and facultative reinsurance, reinsurance could be written on a proportional basis or, as I said before, on a non-proportional basis. So let's discuss that for a few minutes. So on, on a proportional basis, when you're talking about treaty reinsurance, you're talking about what they call quota share or pro rata reinsurance. That's reinsurance where the reinsurer and the seeding company are sharing on a pro rata or proportional basis both the premiums and losses. So for example, if the seeding company writes a $1 million property policy, the property reinsurance contract, if it's written on a quota share basis, will share proportionately the premiums and the losses. So if it's a 
what we call a 75% quota share. What that means is 25% of, let's say, the first million dollars of the policy is shared uh, and, and, and held by the sedent, and 75% of that million dollars, or 750000 is ceded to the reinsurance treaty. So they split it on a 75-25% basis, and typically a quota share treaty is written from first dollar. So if there's a loss from first dollar, the split is 25 sedent, 75 reinsurer. Additionally, a proportional reinsurance treaty is typically handled on an accounts or bordero basis, meaning that on a monthly basis, the reinsurer will get an accounting sheet telling the reinsurer how much premium was written, how many losses were paid, things like that, sort of an accounting basis, and it typically runs through the accounting departments of both the seating insurer and the reinsurer, and is typically not individual loss reporting except in special circumstances. We talk of, when we talk about non-proportional reinsurance on a treaty basis, that's typically what we'll call an excess of loss treaty, uh, or there are other types of treaties, and, and catastrophe treaties are typically excess of loss treaties just at a higher level. So for example, for that same million dollar policy, if it's an excess of loss treaty, the uh, the sedent may retain the first $100,000 of the risk, so $0 to $100,000 of loss, that's all the sedent and it doesn't go to the treaty. And in this example, the treaty is a 900000 excess of 100000 treaty, meaning that if the loss exceeds $100,000, it's the reinsurer's obligation to pay the loss between $100,000 and $1 million, where the sedent, again, is just retaining the first $100,000. Typically, with an excess of loss contract, there's individual loss reporting, so the reinsurer knows when losses are approaching the attachment point of $100,000, where they may have to respond to a loss that exceeds $100,000. Now, a treaty uh, is a word that's been used for decades, if not hundreds of years, to describe uh, this portfolio type of reinsurance. We're not talking about an international agreement here. We're talking simply about a reinsurance contract. When we move into the facultative reinsurance, as we discussed before, which is more individual risk writing, underwriting, that could be both proportional and non-proportional as well. A facultative certificate, however, as Guy Carpenter describes in its glossary, uh, is based on the word facultative, where it, both the insurer and the reinsurer have the faculty or the option whether to underwrite the risk. I'd like to spend a few minutes now talking about some reinsurance concepts or principles of reinsurance law, if you want to call it that. First concept I want to talk about is the doctrine of utmost good faith. The doctrine of utmost good faith comes from marine insurance and uh, several uh, hundreds of years ago was ported into reinsurance as well. What that doctrine means is that the seating insurer in the first instance 
is required to disclose to the reinsurer everything about the risk to be underwritten so the reinsurer is not surprised in the future. Modern courts have called this an information forcing default rule, which requires disclosure of all pertinent inf information that the reinsurer would need to know to understand the risk that they are reinsuring. This concept of utmost good faith has been extended by practitioners in courts uh, to the entire reinsurance relationship uh, which is really the duty of good faith and fair dealing a little bit on steroids uh, between the parties. Most practitioners in many courts assume that the duty of utmost good faith is implied in every reinsurance contract. Uh, many reinsurance contracts, especially older ones, refer to utmost good faith uh, other contracts do not refer to it, but in arbitrations, most arbitrators consider it to be a doctrine that's implied in every reinsurance contract. Another important doctrine in reinsurance, uh, which is basically the flip side of utmost good faith, faith is the follow the fortunes or follow the settlements doctrine. Now, this really involves uh, contract wording where there's a clause in the contract that may not use those exact words but implies that the reinsurer has to follow the underwriting fortunes or the business fortunes of the seating insurer or has to, without question, follow the settlements and judgments on the individual losses incurred under that reinsurance treaty. This doctrine in the courts predominantly has applied to settlements and has been litigated very heavily, particularly in the asbestos and environmental uh, reinsurance areas. Essentially, the reinsurer needs to comply with and pay settlements that are made by the seating insurer that are made in a business-like good faith and reasonable manner. The reinsurer is not allowed to second-guess the settlements made by the seating company and must abide by that and pay the losses as long as the settlements are within the terms of the underlying policy and within the terms of the reinsurance contract. This notion of follow the fortunes, follow the settlements has been very controversial, particularly in the area of reinsurance allocation, where seating companies had to allocate to multiple policies over multiple years, asbestos settlements, and the courts have found as long as the allocation is objectively reasonable, then the reinsurer has to follow. Many reinsurance contracts have in their arbitration clause what's called an honorable engagement language. And that's something to think about as well when reinsurance contracts go into dispute. Traditionally, reinsurance has been considered what people call an honorable engagement between two sophisticated parties. What the honorable engagement really is is the reinsurance and the parties have entered into that reinsurance contract 
with the highest integrity and in utmost good faith. The transactions are based on trust and confidence between the parties, and the relationship is one of utmost good faith. What some arbitration clauses contain is language that says something like this. The arbitration panel shall interpret this agreement as an honorable engagement rather than a merely a legal obligation and shall make its decision considering the custom and practice of the applicable insurance and reinsurance business. The purpose of this clause. The purpose of this clause is to prevent either party from placing meaning on technical phraseology of the reinsurance agreement, which was not the real intent of the, of the agreement. It affords arbitrators more flexibility in resolving a dispute and allows them from having to apply the strict rules of evidence and the law of any particular state. It gives discretion, flexibility, and informal informality uh, to the process, and it makes sense because typically these arbitrations are confidential and they want them decided by industry experts who will appreciate the business issues involved. So what I'd like to do it in conclusion is just mention a couple of words that we have we may have talked about, just describe them for a second. We've discussed treaty and facultative, and I if I didn't mention facultative reinsurance is typically written on a facultative certificate, which is traditionally been a much shorter form reinsurance contract. We mentioned follow the fortunes and honorable engagement. Uh, and I mentioned a couple of times the, the word uh, sedent and, and the word bordero. So let me just talk about those two for a second. Uh, the word seed um, is, is the word that's used to uh, describe what a, uh, how the reinsurance risk is transferred from the direct insurer, the seeding company, to the reinsurance company. Essentially, to seed means to give up, surrender, or transfer rights. So in the reinsurance contract uh, context, what it means is transferring the risk from the insurance company to the reinsurance company. And finally, Bordero, I mentioned that before, Bordero is the accounting statement uh, that is provided typically in a proportional treaty from the seeding company to the reinsurer. It's a big fancy word, uh, but basically it's an accounting data sheet. So that's our little tour of reinsurance. I hope you found this useful. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Army Podcast in your podcast app to be notified of new episodes on agricultural risk topics.